Happy Sabbath to you. Good morning. Welcome again, and I'm so glad that you chose to worship our God together in this place. God is everywhere, but He is so delighted when two or three of us get together so that we can uplift Him in our midst and learn from Him. I believe that the purpose of our meeting every time we meet is to learn something from Jesus Christ. Learn about how to follow Him, how to walk with Him in this life, how to trust Him, how to believe in Him. What is it that Jesus did unusual comparing to any religious founders of different religions? Uh, what did He do so special that makes Him unique? His message that he brought about the character of God, what God is planning to do, that God is not indifferent God, but he loves us to the point that he is ready to sacrifice himself. Anybody else? What did Jesus do that is unique? That's right, that's right. A lot of prophets, a lot of founders of other religions, they pointed to, to the religion itself, maybe to the message. But there was nothing so special about themselves uh, that puts them in a unique position. Jesus. We can learn so much. One that makes him so unique is that he was fully human and fully divine. It was God walking with us in a human form. None of the founders of religions can claim it, which is very unique. He healed people physically and spiritually. He raised somebody from the dead, right? When he went to the wedding, there was a shortage of wine. He didn't ignore the needs of the people. He saw the, the needs and he responded. He walked on the water. Today we are going to talk about that. What else did he do? He healed on the Sabbath. Diseases that were supposed to be treated in a clinic on, on Monday. Monday through Friday. Not on the Sabbath. It was not an emergency, right? He also pointed that it's not God who is somewhere responsible for everything. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And there is a text that we sometimes forget to claim as a promise. Verily, verily, I say unto you, John 14, verse 12. He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Isn't that strange that what we just mentioned, that maybe we can do also? 
and greater works than this shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So God left us representing himself. What he did, we can do. Do we believe in that? When was the last time you walked on the water? Brian Simon was a race car driver, and most of you never heard this name. I never heard this name. But uh, <clears throat> he was very famous in developing a brand uh, of apparel, of clothing line, with the logo, No Fear. It struck the... Uh, the people in a way that they kind of liked it, the, the logo, the idea. And so many younger people especially, people into sports, they bought those t-shirts and shirts and, and it was organized, the company was organized in 1989 and was quite successful for years. No fear. What I'm trying to bring to you today is the message about no fear. No fear. But not the idea, like sometimes what happens in Yosemite, almost every year somebody dies. A lot of people climb the rocks. They love the idea. Some of the trails are quite safe until it's going to rain. And when it rains, the Rocks become very slippery. And sometimes people go on the top of the waterfall and they want to take selfies. And they step into the water not realizing the power of, of water. And then they slip and then nothing can save them. There were three people one time, young people in their 20s. And one of them said, I want to have a picture. And stepped into the waterfall on the top of waterfall and began to fall. So the second person felt like it's going to, I'm going to help and rescue and jumped into the water and the water started dragging two of them toward the end of the waterfall. And then the third person put the camera and decided to rescue the friends and all three of them went down and lost their lives. That's not about having no fear. It's about having common sense, intelligence, and just um, counting the risk. Then whenever you do something in life, you have to, to be on the side of the, of the wisdom. You know, is that worth today to climb this trail or to go into waterfall today, uh, climb through the barrier, into the water and take a picture. So we, ha we need to have no fear in certain things, but we need to rely upon something that is solid, something that is safe. And I would like to bring to you the story from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. 
this story is happening in the beginning of the chapter 14, we see that John the Baptist is losing his life because of the message that he brought to King Herod. He pointed to his sins. He criticized King Herod. And King Herod respected him as a prophet, respected him as a man of God. But then King Herod had a birthday. We all love birthdays, right? But he celebrated in a, in a way that appealed to him as a man. And when this happened, when there was a dancing, he promised to a young girl that he is going to fulfill anything that she would will, will you know, that she wants to, to have. Anything that she desires, she can have it. You cannot promise that to anybody, right? So because of the mother hatred toward John the Baptist, with advice of the mother, she asks for the head of John the Baptist on the platter as a gift. So John the Baptist loses his life. Jesus finds out about it. And who is Jesus to John the Baptist? They're cousins. It's relatives. Let's remember that. It's a family. So now Jesus withdraws himself into the wilderness. He feels that the tension is growing. John the Baptist lost his life. Now it may be his turn. His popularity is growing. People everywhere are looking for him. And even in the desert, when he went into the desert in this chapter, they followed him. How many? Crowd. Huge crowd. So, Jesus Christ telling the message. Another sermon, another teaching. And disciples realize that the people are hungry. They need something to eat. And they said to Jesus, we need to send them to the villages. Let them find food and eat. Jesus said, don't send them. Let's just feed them. So they find a boy. In, in the Gospel of John, it was actually a boy, a little boy, who was prepared. He had a sandwich. Uh, he had how many loaves of little pieces of bread? Five of them. And two fish. And he shared it with how many people? 5,000 people. So the feeding of 5,000 men beside women and children is recorded in all four Gospels. Do you know what else recorded in all four Gospels? Another event? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. How important it is feeding us that Jesus is taking care of our needs physically and of course he is the bread of life. So now, Jesus breaks the bread himself. He gives thanks to God. 
He breaks the bread, and as he breaks the bread, it never ends. The miracle is ongoing. People eat, they are satisfied, and, uh, and then Jesus said, well, let's put the remainings of, of the food into the baskets. And how many baskets of food they got? Twelve. Full baskets of food. So in those days they counted men. I don't know why, but the, that was maybe the custom because people were constantly at war. Maybe, maybe there are some other reasons you can tell me. Maybe they didn't feel anybody else was so important, but uh, to me, for or for God. Women and children were more thought of as possessions rather than people. Okay, okay. Which is sad. Which is sad. And uh, it's changed in many countries, but not in all the countries. So if you calculate women, wives uh, of those men, and their children, and they had many children in those days. Um, commentators say that it could be, the number could be up to 20,000 people that were fed on that day. When you think about it, if you ever been in Staples Center, uh, sports center where uh, Lakers are playing, so I've been there for the last game of Kobe Bryant, uh, and that's the only game I've seen, live game in basketball, but it was something that my wife said, you know, you love basketball, this is my present for you that Christmas, and so we went. Um, incredible player, of course, and uh, lost his life this last week. 20,000, that's the most you can get there. 19,000, that's, that's what Staples can handle usually the most, if every seat is taken. So you can imagine, it's a crowd of people, it's a huge crowd of people there. And they're all looking for either healings, because Jesus healed a lot of people, and also they look for bread, they look for miracles, they look for something unusual, right? And they got it. But what you probably never seen before, because it's just one text, it very quickly comes, uh, not in the Gospel of Matthew, but in the Gospel of John, the same story. What the crowd intention was, they were just fed. What do you do when, when you come to somebody's home, they feed you? What do you say? What do you do? Thank you, right? Instead of thank you, th this is what they, they planned to do with Jesus. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get onto the boat right after feeding and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Uh, and in John 6, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, I don't know what it means. Like seize him, put his hand behind and say, you are our king, I mean, by force, or forcefully put him somewhere in front of, of them. So by force, they wanted to make him a king. Right in that moment, 
they was, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So there was a diversion. Jesus sends disciples into the sea. There is a sunset. It's bad visibility. People are thinking he is in the boat because he looks like one of the 12, right, disciples. But he slips away into the mountain by himself and the crowd cannot see that he is not in the boat. Because later on you can see in the chapter, they thought that Jesus is on the boat when he was not on the boat. Now back to Matthew 14. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and for the wind was contrary. We are, this picture is about something physical that happens to all of us, spiritual or physical. We are in the storm. It happens to all of us when we get into the storm of life. It's dark. We are struggling. We are trying to, to survive. Um, uh, like maybe some of you had this last week when you struggled with a project or with something personal. And this describes us just simply physically what happens to us or spiritually. You know, you lose your job, you lose your financial support, you lose your health. Uh, something happens to all of us in this life. And it seems like the wind is blowing against us. All circumstances, it's against us. Have you been in, in such place? And disciples were there. Remember from, from the sunset. Now they're still struggling and it's the fourth watch of the night. What hour is that? Okay, uh, you probably know that the closer you are to the equator, the hours of sunset and sunrise does not change with season much. It's pretty much the same time because you're close to, to equator. So uh, basically the same is here, six o'clock, usually sunset, very close to six, six o'clock. That's when the first watch starts. And the first watch and every other watch also, it's three hours. So the first watch is from six o'clock in the evening until nine o'clock. From nine to 12 is the second watch. So second guard or second sets of guards in the city they're supposed to replace the first watch people, right? So that people do not get asleep. You don't, you don't stay on, the, on, on guard the whole night, just three hours. So the third watch would be from 12 in the night until three o'clock, and the fourth watch from three o'clock until six o'clock in the morning. That's the last watch. So in the fourth watch, some, somewhere, it's between, between three o'clock and six o'clock. They're still struggling. It means that they were struggling for the whole night. They were rowing the whole night. So Jesus in, on the mountain hill, he can see their struggle. He can see the storm, but he doesn't come right away. Why is that? Maybe because they were not desperate enough. Maybe they wanted to, to save themselves, right? Maybe they were relied, uh, uh, relying upon their own skills as sailors. Maybe they felt like, 
Oh, they can do it. They've, they've, they've been in a storm before. This is not first storm. Remember when Jesus was actually in the boat when the storm happened and he was asleep? So maybe by the morning they were feeling like they're losing it, maybe losing their lives. And then Jesus comes. He shows up. And Jesus immediately said to them, uh, one second, uh, I, I missed this one a little bit. When disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. So there is a fear. They're seeing something walking. They never seen Jesus walking on the water before that so you cannot assume that they know, okay, Jesus is walking on the water. That's normal. That was not normal, right? Yeah. Plus, they were struggling. And in those days, like today, if you see a ghost, what comes to your mind? They're coming for me, right? This is it. This is the end of my life. That's why you have fear. Maybe they're coming to collect my soul. Right? That's what people believe, even today. If they see something like that. It is ghost. So, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. What kind of part of speech is that? What, how, how is that used, this, this verb here? It's imperative. Imperative means it's, it's a command. It's not, okay, like maybe, maybe you want to keep the Sabbath sometimes. Uh, maybe you want to have courage no. once in a while. No, this is a command. Just take courage. You know, don't be afraid. Um, so it's a command of God to be courageous. So when something comes, fear, it actually put chains on us. So if we have fear, then we, we don't have courage. Courage is kind of comes together with, with it. Jesus comes in times of our lives when we need him the most. It happens. Sometimes he waits. He doesn't come to our rescue right away. He could have done it in the first watch. He waited. He waited until disciples understood that it will take courage, but it will also take Jesus to rescue them. When nothing is working, nothing else, none of their skills worked, then Jesus comes to rescue. But he's watching us. It's like the song, I come to the garden alone. It feels alone, right, in life that you are alone when storm comes. Where is Jesus? What is he doing? He is right there. We just cannot see him. He is on the hilltop. He's praying. He was praying for them. He's, he was praying for their courage. Now, for every disciple of Jesus Christ, it was enough. When somebody comes and with a voice that they, they know so well and comes and says, I am Jesus. That's enough. Except for Peter. Peter always say, if 
if it's you, then let me come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So simple. He didn't question Peter, why do you want to come to me on the water? Let me come to you. No, he says, come. He invites us to come. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. We don't give enough credit to Peter. A lot of times we are thinking about what happens next when he is, he is drowning. But let's give him credit. It's very difficult to do what he did. Everything up, up till point physically could have happened. The storm, even Jesus walking on the water, he is divine. But now... For Peter, the first man who walked on the water, he is the only man that I know who walked on the water. It takes courage to go off the boat, to step your first step on the water. When, when you're a sailor, you know that we cannot do that, right? We, we cannot walk on the water physically. It's not possible. But Peter, when Jesus said, come, he does come. And we need to give him credit because... What Jesus wants us to do in our spiritual life is to respond to the message no matter how strange it is. You know, we, whenever we ask Jesus to help in our lives, we put Jesus into the box. Jesus, I need you to perform this in my life. And when Jesus comes, he performs something that is so surprising. So out of this world. He goes and speaks to the lady at the well. He was not supposed to do that. So he surprised his disciples when they came back and they saw him speaking to a woman by himself. And then Zacchaeus, he didn't plan that Jesus would be in his house. He was the most dreaded tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, actually. Rich and corrupt, and Jesus comes right up to his tree and says, Zacchaeus, I would like to be in your house today. It was a great privilege to be in somebody's house to eat with sinners. That's why Jesus was criticized so much. Why do you let yourself to be in the company of these sinners? So Jesus surprised so many people, and he just surprised 5,000 men and women and children that we don't even count. And he surprised his disciples. And now he is walking on the water and, and they are surprised again. And Peter got down. He walks. He made a couple steps. But then something happened. He saw the wind. <clears throat> the wind was still there. The waves were there. And he was afraid. See, that's something about afraid that takes away from us our faith. His faith was no longer in Jesus. His trust was not in Jesus anymore. He was afraid because he couldn't trust Jesus to keep him above the water. And he began beginning to, to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Did he do the right thing? Exactly. And that's what we need to learn from this. 
Lord, save me. That's, that's what we need to do in our life. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, basically, you little faith, why did you doubt? So fear and doubt, they come together. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And that kind of ends this story. But it doesn't end for us because Jesus is calling us to walk on the water. Every member of the church who trusts Jesus needs to walk on something that is strange, unbelievable. Because Jesus is sending to us circumstances that we do not understand a lot of times. We cannot comprehend. Because Jesus is, is not a normal human being. He is God. And so everything that he does should surprise us, but we need to trust him. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And there is a person that I wanted to talk to you about. Josiah maybe can bring us that person. Oh, it's there. Okay, this man uh, climbed Everest, the highest mountain in the world in 2001. And he was number 104 in the world who was on the list of people that climbed. Uh, since that time, much more people climbed. Uh, but at that time, it was kind of new things. So you would say, what's so special about Eric Weichenmauer? He's an, an American athlete. He climbed Everest. Well, the thing is, he's blind. Completely blind. And he not only climbed Everest, which is a very, well, it's the highest peak of the world. But there are some that are very close to the highest mountain in the, in the world. And some of them are actually more difficult to climb than Everest. He climbed all of those highest mountains in the world with his disability. He, he does water skiing, he does uh, mountain skiing, he does, he's an athlete, he, he does, uh, he, he rides bicycle. Uh, don't ask me how. <laughs> but, but he can see not by sight, he can see by his spirit. And I believe that's incredible thing. You would say it's impossible, but I believe everything is possible if you would ask God to be on your side. If you would ask God to help you, everything is possible then. Nothing is impossible. So remember this as, as you go through another week of life. If you are going to be in the storm, um, Jesus is going to find you. And he will ask you to step out of the boat. So do that. Amen.